check, check, white check. Show presented by Empire on PulpMX.com, taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody. Thursday, June 11th. Where has the year gone? Crazy. Four nationals down. Fifth one coming up this weekend at High Point. Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross National Championships are winding down. We're almost halfway. Wow, can't believe it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. The Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB. Taking your calls at 702-586-7857 about uh, this weekend's race in High Point, about the series in general. Heck, if you want to talk some Supercross or some GPs, we can do that also. Fly Racing designs its race where to complement a rider's natural movements on the bike. No unnecessary distractions. Straightforward, no-nonsense function, fit, and style. Fly Racing products are distributed exclusively in the United States by Western Power Sports. FlyRacing.com. Check out what's new with there. Always keep checking out FlyRacing.com because you never know what's new with those guys. They keep bringing out more and more exciting, cool stuff. Mountain bike lines all redone as well. And, uh, yeah, fantastic. They are the associate sponsors of the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Championships. Fly Racing. Guys on their move. That's right. Thanks for listening again. Uh, also, NFAB, dress up your Jeep, truck, or SUV, the hottest-looking, hardest-working accessories from NFAB. Proudly hand-built in Houston, Texas, USA. N-Fab.com, JGR, Auto Trader Guys, Pike, Barsha, Nicoletti, they use NFAB. I have NFAB. Why don't you have NFAB? NFAB.com. N-Fab.com, sorry. And, uh, yeah, we'll take your calls. We're going to give away a fly racing, neat freak backpack, and an elite insulated water bottle. So, a little summer uh, hydration thing, and then uh, a pack to keep the hydration thing water bottle in it. Flyracing.com. Jason Thomas will join us. Chase Stallo, fresh off the X Games. I want to get some X Games talk from him as well, uh, uh, as well as Nick Way. That's right, Nick Way. We'll ask him how it's going, how retired life is. He probably won't admit it. And we'll get his thoughts on the opening round of the Nationals. I'm Steve Mathis with, with, you, uh, with me, producing the show, taking your calls, holding the fort down. Very happy about Dungey, his rider, gaining two more points. The Titch Legendary. And the overall. And the overall. Yep. You just can't stop him. Roxon's got to do something here. He can't. He's got to do something big. Because, I mean, if you're Dunge and you go 2-1-1-2, great. All day. No problem. No. no the problem. Uh, margin of error for King Kenny Roxon is getting uh, smaller and smaller. It reminds me of sort of the Stu Supercross chases where you like, Stu, you can't keep. You can't can't keep throwing it away. No, yeah, because you know it doesn't matter how fast you go at the end of the series if you don't have yeah. a points. You know if you don't well, within gap, you can't do it. Yeah, I like so. my odds. 
I would too. Yeah. Fly Race and Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB. Um, Jason Thomas and Nick Way coming up here shortly. And uh, we're looking away to give away the Fly Racing Neat Freak Backpack and Elite Water Bottle. Just do a random caller at 702-586-7857. Give us a call anytime. I want to talk about with these guys too that uh, we got some um, – some, uh, Rookies going on in the class right now. We got some interesting uh, things going on with the rookies, and uh, and uh, we want to see who would pick who and who would go with what and uh, what we're looking at uh, going forward from here on the uh, fly race and Moto Sixty Show presented by NFAB seven zero two five eight six Pulp seven zero two five eight six seven eight five seven. Give us a call anytime, and uh, yeah, we'll take your calls. We'll give away some stuff and talk some moto. All right, first up on the line, Fly Racing Zone, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Uh, another Thursday, getting ready for the weekend that I will not be going to. Do you do you work Fridays then, or do you? Yeah, of course. Okay, I didn't know if you jetted off some somewhere, or whatever. So, I you jet know. off to the office every morning. Right, home. right. Where's your next trip? No, unlike you, when is your next trip? Where are you going? Uh, next race. Next race is Washougal, but I start traveling um, for our 2016 launch in about 10 days. Oh, okay. So you got another 10 days, sort of a Boise life, and then it's on the road, but just not at the races on the road. <clears throat> right. I'll be right. home on the weekends, but during the week, I will not be around. Wow. Yeah. So Washougal, six, though. Six weeks or so. Yeah. Well, Washougal. Yeah, Washougal. Um, I'll definitely be there, uh, and then maybe one more, but mm-hmm. it's kind of one or the other. Right. All right, Fly Race and Moto 60 Show. Let's talk some nationals. We get uh, our next guest on the line too. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do a three way for the for this uh, call. They're the MafiaMotoCruise.com. Nick Way, Way, what's up? What's happening, guys? Nothing. Talking some nationals. How's uh how's retired life? Are we not using that word? Yeah, I'm not. I'm in a, I'm in a strong training block currently. Okay, all right, fantastic. Um, Pushed hard. Got a couple KLMs this morning. I'm pumped on myself right now. JT, do you, do you need to have the talk with Nick, where you just sit him down? And you just I, tr- I tried to have a talk with him already, but clearly he's <laughs> he's either scared of the word or scared of the concept. Whatever, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, each yeah. his own. Do you do you think JT we see the twenty seven on the line at Anaheim one twenty sixteen? I bet he shows up for. I don't think he goes to all of them. That's my. I'm not even. I don't even have any info to back no, that I know, up. I, I, know. I, I bet he shows up at a couple, but I don't think he'll be at like you know. We live in Showing up at uh, Atlanta or somewhere. I live in Vegas, so it's we're a betting town. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't race at all if I wasn't gonna race all of them. <laughs> okay, so if you on if you're on the line at A1, you're on the line for 17. Yeah. Okay. That sounds silly. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it sounds silly, but yeah, it sounds silly. Yeah. Um, yeah. it depends on how much money you're laying on every night. Your bed of your mattress of money, I guess. Maybe that. Maybe that's the determining factor. I've been doing a lot of texting lately too. Of course you are. Got the bike coming around. Got the bike coming around. Why, why wouldn't you be? <laughs> right. He's got the bike coming around, JT. It's only it's only taken <laughs> this long. Season's creeping up on us. <laughs> June. You never know. You could okay. find that magic setting right now. Yeah. <laughs> Tractor in prime condition in SoCal right now, I bet, too. Uh, all right. Let's, let's. Yeah, I've written, I've written like one day a week. Let's. Uh... This, this, this week's been two times. Let's lay off before he hangs up, JT. <laughs> He's just mine. Yeah, get off. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's talk about the Nationals a little bit. Nick, I'll start with you. Four rounds down. Uh, what's your thoughts on the two classes? We're seeing some – we're seeing we're seeing Dungey and Roxon uh, right now in 450s, and we're seeing Martin and Marvin in 250s. 
um, kind of a little. Those two have separate. Those two in each class have separated themselves a little bit. But what what's your surprises uh, so far going in uh, four rounds down? Uh, I guess I'm surprised that like the pro circuit guys aren't closer to challenging. Mm-hmm. And then I really don't know. Like I don't really know those younger kids, but Jordan Smith is kind of. He surprised me because I see him ride, and I, and he can ride fast, but I'm right. surprised he can keep it on the track for 30 minutes. I'm <laughs> surprised he did so well at Colorado. Yeah, but yeah, those guys are those guys are coming around. So I think I don't know if they're going to get close enough to Marvin and Martin to make more make to make it more exciting at the front. Right, I think they're going to be. Do you think more consistently at the front? Do you think? Uh, JT and I both think that Cincerello will win a race for the end of the year. As um, maybe Nelson, even some motos. Uh, do you agree with that, or do you see these two guys up front just taking off? Of course, barring injury, but uh... Uh, I think Nelson is a better bet than Cincerello at this point, just mm-hmm. because he he hadn't. I mean, obviously he rode Supercross, but he he spent quite some time off the bike before the outdoors started. So, yep. I think he was pretty good buddies with Tyler Keith, and he was saying how far off of his fitness that he was when the season started and he obviously has been doing pretty well. So mm-hmm. and he's steadily been doing better. So I think his starts are pretty much money. So he's right. starting with those guys and riding and learning a lot every weekend too. Yeah. Uh, we're four each Marvin, Marvin Muscan has four moto wins. Jeremy Martin has four moto wins. Who do you like for the title, Nick? I mean, obviously lots can happen, but as it is right now, do you favor one of those two, two guys over the other? Um, I really, I don't know. I think Musquin's obviously very strong when the track's more technical. Mm-hmm. Like this last weekend in the first moto, he was pretty awesome. And then I don't obviously he started super far back the second moto and made his way through. I don't know comparably if Martin was going to beat him or not. If he would have got a start, I don't know because I wasn't there. Right. But typically when the tracks are technical, like I think this weekend Musquin will excel. Hopefully we see a battle between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a whole Martin's going to be tough to beat just because he's so strong. Right. JT, uh, this week in High Point, uh, round five of the series, one of those tracks that I've heard from a few guys, you're never straight up and down. You're always on an angle. You're always on an off camber. Dirt's pretty good. Um, talk talk about High Point a little bit, JT, as a track. And it, it does favor Marvin again, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's gotten away away a little bit from that. It used to be really drastic uh, on that end as far as weird angles all the time. You never really had anything to turn on. Uh, but you know, as the the years have gone by, and we've seen this this shift in how tracks are prepared, and uh, dirt's kind of brought in, and if it's not brought in, then it's dug deeper, that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's added traction and made some more lines usable. Um, like in the middle middle of a downhill, you know, if there's a turn, you can almost turn in the middle now instead of either having to. You right. know, you just have to creep in this really shallow rut at the top or go all the way to the bottom. Um, that that's kind of changed over the years as, as the track has changed and it's it's changing again this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do think it it favors Muscan. Just it's still Mount Morris. You know, as much as they change things here and there, it's still Mount Morris. It's still going to be um, a little bit more technical than say uh, you know a, a Millville, which I hate using that example because it's Jeremy's home track. But I still right. feel like that's. That track is is very fast and very you know a lot of straight lines and a lot of traction. So mm-hmm. um, I just think if if Muscan is going to try to win some races and win this title, he's got to capitalize on a racetrack like this weekend. Seven zero two five eight six Pulp. We got a couple open lines still. Give us a call on the Fly Race and Moto Sixty Show presented by NFAB. Nick, did you like High Point? 
what do you think of the what do you think of the track and what do you think of racing it um, as in general? What, what's your thoughts on this track? No, I really agree with what JT said. It's definitely. I mean, I remember going when I was an amateur to to High Point and uh, Steel City, and they were both pretty similar. Just for the fact that it was a lot of off camber, it was hard to get traction because down in there's obviously it's a lot of hard pack. As the I don't know, I don't know how we've evolved mm-hmm. as a sport. I think essentially just there's gotten a little bit more money, so where there's dozers and more equipment, they used to just drive around the tractor with a disc and say, "Have at it, boys." Right. And now it's essentially they smooth everything out like it would be a, a water truck road, a lot less um, off cambers and yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely a lot more cookie cutter than what it was when JT and I first started racing. That's for sure. I hate the fact that they got rid of the the wood turn, bouncing off, going across the start straight, hitting that wood, bouncing off that. Yep. Come on. That was motocross. Well, just the turn all the way before it, too, where you come across, like, come down, and then you're gonna, kind of going sideways on the start straight, like, across the mechanics area. Right. Stuff like that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get any of that anymore. Uh, I remember I remember watching when I was an amateur, the Pro National, there'd be so many passes right there. Yeah. You could come, they'd, obviously the start would be all disc up, and then they would, you could come across there and square somebody up, or however it would be, and the sweeper was, like, yeah. game on for a pass right there. And uh, 125s, who can jump the uphill triple behind the start? Like, which 125 guy can do it consistently or, or you know? Yep. Even yep. 250s. I mean, it was tough for big bikes, too. Yeah. Yeah, we're in different... Yeah, all that stuff's pretty toned down these days, I, I think. I mean, you could, you could do it in its current form on a 125 pretty easily now, I think. Yeah. Um, a 50% chance of rain. Uh, weather's been good right now. Press day today, I saw videos. Track looks uh, dry, actually. 50% chance of rain on, on Saturday. Who can forget High Point 2000 either when it was the tad muddy, Kelly Smith and uh, Steve Mathis taking the overall win. Right, guys? Yeah, liter- literally, though, because like you brought up the uh, wood turn. Mm-hmm. I squared up Voland on the last lap of 2000, and I passed him, and when I went into the sweeper, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, all right, I got the overall. Yeah, you missed the overall little, by little one. Did I know you, yeah, little did I know Case Smith was way more consistent than I was expecting because the conditions <laughs> were really bad. I think you only missed the overall by one or two spots or points. Like, it was real close. If you yeah, had made one more pass or something. I don't know, but I was shocked when he came across the finish line <laughs> so close to second <laughs> I was shocked. Um, did, you go, did you win the second moto? No, I got oh, second. But okay, P- yeah. Pastrana won the second moto, and I think he DNF'd the first moto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Who can forget? Um, and in '97, JT, you were there in '97. In the, in the I was, yeah, that was a Bradshaw. That was a disaster of epic proportions. I lost a shoe in did the mechanics you, did you area. Race then, JT. Oh did yeah, I was out there. Race? I remember Bradshaw going by me on the last lap. He probably lapped me for like the fifth time, <laughs> and I remember cheering for him as he went by. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Oh yeah, absolutely. I oh. mean, I was in who knows, like 77th place at that point. So yeah, yeah. to see Bradshaw go by because I was still a kid. I was still in high school. Uh, I think I just graduated. Yeah, that was his last so, win. Right? He was he was Bradshaw. I don't care what place I was in. <laughs> I, I was I was there watching in the behind the behind the starting gate. The river going there was through there was ridiculous. No, I lost a shoe down there. Probably still there in that yeah. yeah, um I was working for Birdwell. He DNF both motos, and the second <laughs> the second moto, I just stayed down there. I'm like, I'm watching this. This is cool. I'm gonna just watch. Well, this. the first moto, I got stuck on the first lap. Uh, and the, there used to be this big pile of trees over kind of where the track goes a lot across the top now mm-hmm. on the far side. Right. There used to be a big, where this uh, big section of trees to the right there. Kind of where I, I went off the track. I got bumped off the track and went down this hill and couldn't stop and got stuck down there 
on the first lap, and they I didn't get out till after the race. They couldn't come down to get me. So <laughs> I was there the whole race. They came down after the checker flag, picked me up, and I rode back and got the checkers. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, my dad was really excited about that moto. <laughs> Just disappeared, gone in, in, yep. into the woods. Um, yeah, I remember Bradshaw passing Larry Ward up the uphill triple. Uh, splashed by him and passed passed in the crowd. Freaked yeah, that's out. where I was saying where that the yeah. river was. Yeah, that's where I yeah. was standing because that was mechanics area back in the day, up before the face of that triple. And then I just lost a shoe, just gone. So, um, good times. Ninety seven high point. <laughs> it was worse than two thousand. Ninety seven was. Oh, it was way worse. It was tr- not even comparable. Oh yeah, it was. Right. It was just a jet ski track. Yeah, pretty much. That might have been the worst mud race I've ever been in. So, it really sucks as a mechanic to prep your bike through the mud and then uh, have your rider pull off a couple laps into the next moto. You're like, oh, thanks. Did all that work for nothing. All right. Uh, let's keep this switch, switch focus to this. Um, JT, I'll start with you. We have Plessinger, Aldridge, Hampshire, and Smith, Jordan Smith, like Nick said. Those are kind of the rookies in the 250 class right now. Which guy do you see um, finishing the top of the series? Which guy do you see getting the best finish? Aldridge already has a podium. Plessinger led laps. Which guys do you see getting the best finish, and which guy do you see finishing the highest in the points? Plessinger, Aldridge, uh, Hampshire, and Smith. I think for a moto, I think Jordan Smith's going to surprise us. I really think he's going to get the start, which he's he's done in Supercross, and I think he's very capable of, and I think he's just going to go. Uh, I don't know if he'll be able to hold on and win the moto, but mm-hmm. he's going to be he's going to get on the podium in a moto very, very soon. Uh, for the points, I don't know that Jordan will be consistent enough. Um, that's a tough question. Um, I think it's – I don't really think there's a favorite. I think they're all pretty right. darn close. And in the points, I was actually looking at it today, they're all right. grouped right together. So yep. um, I guess if I had to pick, I would say maybe Hampshire. But I, I really uh, – I don't even know because then I want to say Aldridge. He's been much more consistent than we would have thought. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I just think Jordan Smith's going to be the one that, that jumps off the page as far as the results soon. Yeah, Aldridge has been surprising Nick because he had a terrible Supercross season, and I thought to myself, how is this kid going to hold together for outdoors? But he actually has. He's been good. Yeah, and a couple years ago, I remember riding riding at Competitive Edge, and I was like, who is this dude on a Yamaha, like half-biking me a lap? Right. I was like going nuts. I'm like, who is this squirrel? Mm-hmm. And it turned out he was him. And then I got to know him a little bit in Supercross, right. and he was fast on occasion at the tracks for sure. Right. And I was, he just, he couldn't pull it together in the races. Uh, <laughs> he definitely did not ride to his potential in Supercross at the races, but outdoors I knew he was going to be pretty good because he's pretty smooth, shockingly, with all the crazy crashes that he did in Supercross. Yeah. Outdoors, every time I've seen him ride, he's pretty smooth. And, and he's seen- I, rode with him, I rode with him a fair bit in Supercross, and he was pretty impressive from time to time. Right. So I'm not shocked, but at the same time, I'm a little bit surprised that he's been, you know, so consistent, you know, but right. I think him getting an 8-7 or something similar to that last weekend was a little surprising just because I think he would be more consistently closer to the front if he was going to be consistent because he is, because he does have some speed. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Nick, what's it like trying to like, why would, why would the kid sort of implode in Supercross and be able to hold together outdoors? The, the two disciplines, just the heart rate higher in, in, in Supercross, the clo- a smaller track, is that, like, why was he such a mess in Supercross? And then, he's like, what is that as a rider? Well, a lot, of, a lot of times these kids you see come from these training facilities and such that they get a decent bit of experience on the Supercross track before they turn pro. Mm-hmm. Where, where I don't 
Aldridge got that experience. So when he first started riding Supercross, he literally was like new to it. And mm-hmm. I think even even through through Supercross this year, the the whoops made him nervous. So I think a lot of it was just he didn't have much confidence. So right. He he would go a little bit too nuts in some of the spots where he knew he had to do something special because he wasn't so confident in the whoops or a certain section. Mm-hmm. Which which is we don't see that a lot these days, so it's kind of a shock to us because most of these kids coming into Supercross these days are pretty polished because they have so much time right. on a Supercross track before they come in. So I think he he literally was learning as he was racing. Right. So I think that's why he's he's much better outdoors, better outdoors him or top in the points but i think i would have to say aldridge because mm-hmm. it seems like hampshire is missing a little bit of that raw speed but he's a super solid rider so he's you know both of them are i mean all the guys have been doing pretty well right yeah um JT- Which we didn't talk about Fletcher. he did he did lead for like 17 minutes last week oh yeah yeah he'll be don't you feel like that's a big thing for a guy like that and like look for him to be better maybe not lead laps again maybe not lead 17 minutes because he does have a ton of time at, at muddy creek but that's got to help the confidence so much, Nick. I mean, probably thinking back to your days, too. Whatever first race you led, you're like, holy shit, I can do this. Like, I'm good enough, you know? Yeah, and I think I think he, exactly like you said, I think tracks like Muddy Creek or High Point, like, he's been to those places a lot. So I think the dirt's pretty similar to High Point as mm-hmm. it is to, to last weekend. And I, when I rode this week, I Plessner was there, and he was fast. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did if he did really well this weekend, but mm-hmm. it, it comes down to start a lot of time, like you said, but I was surprised that he, cause I know the kid works hard. Right. I was surprised that he went from leading for 16 minutes to finishing seventh or however he did finish, which yeah, I think if he does get the opportunity to get a good start and lead some laps, I think he, he'll do better for sure than that. But yeah, JT, is it, is it, um, I mean, he led 17 minutes and got seventh. Is Is that a bad thing? Like, are you, if you're his manager in Lampson, are you like going, dude, couldn't you hold it together for a third or, or, or is it all positive? Uh, no, I think it's all positive. You know, what happens is these guys, just what we would say, they'd blow up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's probably riding so far past what he feels comfortable because there's so much adrenaline running when he's leading like that. You know, he's, he's probably not even breathing to be honest with you. You know, it's just so much excitement and he's never been in that spot before. So I just think he, if you know, if he had gotten past early, I think it almost would have been better for him. You know, mm-hmm. if Muscan had gotten him like the first lap and he and he could go with Muscan, I think he would probably would have been a lot calmer. Mm-hmm. But when you're leading, man, you're just and I, I have only done it a couple times and not even for very long, but it's almost like full panic in a good way. You know, <laughs> right, you just right. your breathing's way out of rhythm. You're it's nothing like in your training and your riding. So. I just think he'll learn more and more if he if he can get that start and be in that situation. He'll learn from it. And he'll grow from it. And next time it won't be as as chaotic for him and, right. and on and on. And before you know, before you know, heart rate team beats lower than it was you know at Muddy Creek. So mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 just a learning process. You know, there are very few guys that can come in and go win the moto, moto and not have that you know just completely different physical reaction to it. Nick, do you remember the first time you led laps and where you finished and how that went? Uh, I know that I led at Pontiac and I finished third or something, but I was mm-hmm. led for a lot a long time where I should have won. Right. For sure. That was probably the first time I had led laps. But going back to, as another example, I mean, I think, I know Cinturillo did, he wasn't leading at Hangtown the first moto, but, you know, he, he came in and, 
he was unsure where he was at, and he came through the pack and got into second or something like that. And then essentially the same thing is he just was going. And no, he he, he led. Oh, he was winning. Yeah, he led. Okay, so, yeah. so that's what happened. So instead of Plessinger falling, crashing and DNSing, he was a little bit smarter and fell back to seventh where he held, he held on longer than what AC did. Mm-hmm. But AC was he was he was winning or crashing where Plessinger <laughs> took a little bit of right. a smarter approach and he's gonna he's gonna build on that. But at the same time, I guess you know with uh, Plessinger getting experience in Supercross and such, he yeah. he also led at Santa Clara and and had a crash which he. I would assume he wanted to try to learn from that, and this weekend he he did do better. So he, he led, you know, quite um, some time. And I think not only that, Martin was behind him, and all of us would were shocked. I was shocked that he kept Martin, or you know, at the same lap time as Martin, or gapped him a little bit for for that long because mm-hmm. Martin's been so right. head and shoulders above the, above everybody else. I was surprised that happened, and I would think that Plessinger was surprised at that also. Fly Race and Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB. Nick Way, Jason Thomas on the line right now. And uh, talking to High Point, talking a little bit of the series itself. I had a guy tell me that Plessinger, because he's tall and, and he maybe rides a Yamaha, they said he rem- he reminds him of Wyndham. I don't see it. I think he's got a better style than Wyndham. Uh, JT, what do you think? When I watch him, he doesn't immediately remind me of anyone. Right. Um, no, I think he does a lot of things right. You know, I haven't had a ton of time to just study him. Um, but, you know, he obviously is – he's got a he's got a good style and an aggressive style, just like it seems like all the kids these days do. Right. So um, he doesn't have any real holes in his game, which I think is, is the key. Uh, if he can continue to improve, he doesn't have just this glaring deficiency, which I think holds a lot of guys back at some point right. and kind of limits their growth. Yeah, he he uh, he has good form to me, and Wyndham didn't always have good form. You know, Wyndham got it done. Don't get me wrong, but like uh, Renard has good form, uh, Lachine had good form, and Plessinger reminds me of that—a taller dude like that. So that's all. Um, yeah, I think I think Wyndham had pretty good form. I think he sat down more than mm-hmm. probably was beneficial. Um, and I, I trust me, I'm not critiquing anybody's riding style. My riding style is terrible, but. <laughs> Um, to sit back and look at and say what's ideal. Right. Uh, the only thing I would ever, you know, say that maybe would have helped him if he stood stood more. But Ferry other had, than that, he's pretty damn good. Ferry had an ideal riding style. I well, think. Of course, you think that. <laughs> All right, let's get some phone calls. Jason, what's going on? You want to talk about Christian Craig? Yeah. Hey guys. What's um, up? I just was wondering how you know is he healthy for this weekend? And uh, the second part of that is kind of like his. Uh, his debut a couple of weeks ago, how fast he was and how how well he did against those guys. Is that kind of an indictment on the guys that are racing that he came in and smoked so many guys, or is it just his high technical skill on that track was so tricky that he really shined there? It's just kind of he, uh, weird that he was able to come in and smoke so many of those guys that have been racing. Yeah, he blew me away for sure. I I couldn't. I would have never picked it predicted four six finishes plus that charge in the first moto was pretty amazing he was sick last weekend uh, but even then no, he wasn't as good as he was at lakewood uh what do you think mick what about christian craig and, and his ability to jump in like that and then what we you know he didn't really back it up at uh, muddy creek of course he was sick a bit but were you, what about a guy coming in like that i don't think it's a coincidence that he got sick after putting in such an effort at colorado that's for sure mm-hmm. i think everyone would you know, everyone is kind of under the understanding that he's maybe behind the eight ball as far as fitness and coming in and not having raced and, you know, mm-hmm. 
close to a year because I'm, I'm sure he's written a lot, but it's hard to replace time racing. Yeah. And then the track was super technical at Colorado, which helped him because he is a, you know, he's definitely a very good rider technique wise and he's in control and he kind of, he schooled a lot of those guys with being a little bit smarter for sure. And then with him having a good pace in the motos and catching guys, I think he really pushed himself to the limit as far as, you know, his fitness and what he could do physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wasn't necessarily shocked with how things went last weekend just because it's, you know, you are literally like five days away from traveling to the next race. Yeah. And then I'm sure, you know, having the pressure of like finishing inside the top five or however he finished overall, he would want to try to build on that, obviously. Um, so that, that, has a lot of pressure in it all on itself plus the the effort he put out in Colorado I'm sure he wanted to try to keep improving during the week and mm-hmm. I'm assuming he probably dug himself into a bit of a hole and, and got himself sick I think this weekend will be a little bit more of a technical track again if they if they dig it deep mm-hmm. depending on how the rain is and such looks like uh would be something that he would excel on again so I look forward I look I look to see him in inside the top 10 again but I, I don't know if we'll see that that uh, ride again. As yeah. good of yeah, a ride up from Christian Craig as we saw in Colorado, unless it, the conditions are similar. JT, I thought it was weird. I went and talked to LaRocco after Lakewood, and I'm like, how about Christian Craig? Like, wow, what, you know, blah, blah, blah. And LaRocco struck me as weird. He's like, yeah, it was a good ride. Now he's got, now he's got some pressure on him. It'll be interesting to see if he can back it up. Like, that's the first thing LaRocco said. Like, I was like, you know, you expected him to maybe just go on and on and. Mike well, was on- oh, wait, hold on a second. You expected Larocco to go on and on. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, you expect Mike to say, yeah, he rode great, really impressed with him, great job by him. Literally, though, one of the first things Mike said was, it was a good job, now he's got pressure on, it'll be interesting to see how he does next week. <laughs> like, well, I think that's Mike Larocco. I, I was probably the right. <laughs> most realistic person to a fault, like yeah. almost to the negative side that you'll ever meet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure he was pleasantly surprised with Christian Craig, but uh, that's the whole thing about this, this sport and it's tough, you know, and I'm sure Nick can understand this very well too, that yeah, you did great and the race is over and that was awesome. But immediately you're thinking about next weekend again. Yeah. That's that's the hard part is no one even cares. Like, you know, like, Oh, good job. Okay. Let's, let's get ready for next week. You know, there's, there's not even a much thought. It's, it's just crazy how that works as far as, your thoughts and, and your expectations and everything you're doing prep, preparation-wise is mm-hmm. concerned with the next the next event immediately. Yeah, you know, you'd there's think, just no time to even reflect on it. I'd want, like, cake and balloons when I came back after the second moto, but no way. It was just all about the next Well, race. you gotta you got to realize, too, that within these teams, there's so many, there's so many different variables as far as, like, how people are going to feel, right? Like, right. Rocco's been working on doing this and that, setting up the bike for Bogle or and then all of a sudden, he's told by upper management, Christian Craig's coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he obviously has no idea what Christian Craig's been doing, and feels like maybe blindsided by that a little bit. Of course, you know, he's not going to rejoice, right? Because he doesn't feel like he had like a much of a part in helping him. Right? right. He just came in, yeah, hopped on the bike, set the bars and levers, and let it rip. Uh, yeah, no good point, uh, Jared. What's going on? You're racing High Point Amateur Day. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I'm still undecided little nervous. I don't race much. Um, 34 years old now. have a job. And I'm um, kind of undecided. just want to know what you guys think. Maybe some tips to do it or don't do it. I'm going to break my neck or I'm not. That kind of thing. What kind of, what class are you in? 
if you race? Well, I'd, I'd probably race like a, a Fed BC, I would, I would guess, you know. Okay, what kind of bike you got? I got a 2012 KX250F, and she's all stock. Yeah, you're good. Any advice, Nick and JT? You're fine. Vet V B C on a two fifty F. You're good. Do I've, I've been going to high buddy. point for so long and like I've always watched since ninety since nineteen ninety three I've been going there. Mm-hmm. Kinda like a bucket list thing to get behind the gate there. Yeah, why wouldn't you do it, right? J T Line it line yeah. it up then. Line it up. Right. I'm the only thing I'm gonna throw in there is uh if you think you're gonna do it today, try to jump in there and avoid that uh post entry upcharge. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Some wild an upcharge. Oh, I don't know. There was just always. I, I just remember every race I ever went to. There was a, if you pre-entered, you got a discount. Yeah, and I don't have an AMA card or anything, so I'm gonna have to sign up for all that. Right oh, you now. may want to. Hey, you I, may want to get a, a second mortgage or something. They're really gonna go to town on you. <laughs> yeah, that and yeah. wake up at like three a.m. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a pretty cool Nick Way story if you're up for it. Okay, sure. It was 1998 at Loretta Lynn, and uh, Nick Way was battling Brandon Jessman. And I kind of know Jessman a little bit just from riding around Pennsylvania. And uh, was that Jessman's big Jessman fan? Was that Jessman's rookie and, uh, year? Was that Jessman's rookie and, uh, year? Okay, never mind. Nick Way was gotcha. Nick Nick Way was battling. You there? Yeah. Nick Way was battling with Jessman in '98. I think it was like a uh, 125 Pro class or something. And Jessman fell and broke his wrist, and Nick Way passed him and won. And on the podium, Nick Way said, it sucks Brandon fell because I would have liked to pass him. And I yelled, you asshole, you wouldn't have passed him. <laughs> there you go. You asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. It was pretty fun. But that was a great race between those guys. Was that Nick? I wasn't happy about being at Loretta's in 98. I'll be real with you. <laughs> you were looking forward to being pro. No, I already was pro. Oh, like for some yeah. somehow I had like I I was on Mitch's team, but it was all vague. Like I don't know what I don't I don't know my parents did the deal, whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, it was it was like I got paid something, but it was all vague. Like if I was race for sure on the team for outdoors or however it worked, I don't know. Like I'm sure Mitch just made it seem like oh you got to do good or something. Right, right. right. T-Wade. So I, dislocated my, I dislocated my shoulder in Supercross. I came back with, like, two Supercrosses left. Uh-huh. I would have got – it was, like, literally two turns from the finish line at Charlotte. I would have gotten second. My body blew up. And then – I remember the beginning that. of the Nationals, at, like, uh, I got, like – I was a top ten the whole time, and then I got, like, fourth or fifth at Southwick, and I still had to race Loretta. <laughs> And you had to race yeah, I, I was like On the off weekends, I, they flew me to, like, Texas for the area qualifier. And I don't I was all going all over the place to, like, just to do Loretta's. I raced Walshugel the weekend. Yeah. It was Sunday. And by the time I got to, to Loretta's on Monday, I had already missed my practice in the 125 class. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, right? Like, so I wasn't – clearly I was not stoked about being there. And then – they, I like, I pitted out of like I rented a motorhome and it had my own trailer. And they didn't send my mechanics. My dad was like helping me. And then my dad got super hammered one night with the Team Green guy, and like, I'm like, dude, I remember sweating him. Like, dude, are you serious? Like, dude, I'm, my moto is like in a minute. Like, I need a tire. 
<laughs> get up because that's not like my dad's move. Like he's always been the responsible one, but right. clearly he was getting schmoozed by the Cowie dudes or whatever, and then they're balling me up. So I was like, that doesn't sound. That does not sound like what something Frank Thomas would have done. Frank would <laughs> Frank well, would have that bike tuned. Well, uh, probably not the night before. Point. No. Oh yeah, that, it was like it was. I was shocked. Like. You know what I mean? I was like, Dad, you're really killing, you're killing me right now. Like you're you're for one, you're lightweight. For two, these dudes got you all balled up. Now now I'm balled up. Like right, right. Deal. <laughs> oh, great, good story. Uh, Harold, what's up, man? You want to talk about Eli Tomac? Yeah, hey guys, how's it going? Yeah. Uh, first off, I want to give a shout out to Nick Way. I've always been a huge fan. Uh, Nick, Thanks, I hope what, whatever you're doing, you're uh, you're enjoying it. I know you you won't say the R word, but I hope you're having a good time. Um, but my question is, if if Tomac goes to Kawasaki next year, then who who takes over his ride, or does anybody? Uh, well, no, nobody's going to do it on a Geico bike. Geico's not going to have a 450 program next year. So, so Bogle, Bogle for sure out on that? Well, I was going to say maybe Honda puts a third 450 out on the track, but it'll be a Honda factory bike, not a Geico bike. I don't know if Honda would expand or not. Uh, well, is that different? I've heard they're, th- they're like, looking at a third guy. Oh, they are? Okay. That's, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. So, yeah, there we go. So, it, it, you know, Harold, so maybe maybe a Bogle or somebody goes as a third guy at Factory Honda. Huh. So. Okay, what, what, I, I, I don't know what Anderson's contract is for next year or Baggett's, but uh, are they already locked in? Or? Uh, Baggett is for sure. I don't know about Anderson. Anderson is for sure. Anderson well. is too. Yeah, they're both already going to be back with their teams. Okay. All right. Thanks, Harold. Thank you. See you, Harold. Harold, big fan of Nick Way. Um, Hey, before we let you guys go, um, news in the Cowie front. Reed Nordin out, Bruce Sternstrom back in. This is Bruce's third tour, I think, back at Cowie. It's like Uh, Nom. Yeah, really, right? Uh, What do you think, JT, of this move, first of all? How is this going to affect anything, or what do you know? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really have many dealings with Reed Nordin, if any. Um, you know, they obviously made the move for a reason, and I think Bruce has had some success there. Just the the rumblings I've heard behind the scenes, it's you know seems like a, a positive, or people think it will have a positive effect on how things are run over mm-hmm. there. But uh, should be interesting. I mean, I, I don't know that it'll uh, drastically affect anything, but you have to wonder. If the way that the Villapoto, you know, ordeal went down and then the Millsaps thing, um, did any of that have an effect on this? You know, because yeah. I'm sure Japan wasn't overly thrilled with either of how those two things kind of went down. So. <laughs> yeah, they both went sideways. And not always yeah, his fault. I but, don't know if that's yeah. his fault. No, you know, yeah, yeah. It had nothing to do with him, but right. th- there doesn't always have to be your fault for heads to roll sometimes. Yeah, no, absolutely. What do you think of the move, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Bruce had obviously done a great job in the past, and then he was most recently working at Monster. Uh, he's a great guy for sure. I think he can definitely do a good job. Um, I've known Reed Nordin for a long time. He worked at through the Team Green department shoot back when I rode Team Green. Mm-hmm. So I've known he, – he's kind of a hard guy. He's a quiet guy, so he's hard to get it to know, but he's treating me more than fair, and he's 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 been a super – super helpful to me over the years and he's been more than fair with me the last the last few years so right yeah i'm i'm, I'm bummed to see that that he's no longer there after working there for like 30 some years so oh was was he there uh, that long huh he was there a lot that long yeah oh wow. yeah, yeah. He, he started in like 
R&D department and worked in Team Green off-road, and then mm-hmm. he did a bunch of stuff at Team Green and obviously worked his way up to being the racing manager. But, yeah, there's just a lot of things that kind of went awry a little bit this year with Ryan going to Europe and not right. having the success they had uh, previously here with Ryan. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I hope. I mean, you you have to assume that that had something to do with it, although that has nothing to do with Reed Nordine's competency as a, you know, running yeah. the program. That's for sure. Well, and you know, but the, I think it, a lot of it has to do with, you know, a lot of this stuff. You know, as we see these sponsors coming in and and running a lot of uh, making a lot of these decisions for these manufacturers these days, just because racing is so expensive and these sponsors are, are very valuable to these companies moving forward long term. Yeah, I would assume that Bruce Bruce has a good relationship with monsters since, since he was uh, employed there most recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like Reed Nordine. I like Bruce. I like both guys. And um, you know that Cowie did the same thing with Fisher a little bit. Mike Fisher won a Supercross title and everything was going great. And you know, 30 years at Cowie and kind of just see you later. They're not scared to shake things up, I guess when they feel like, you know, and again, I think RV's issue and Davey Millsap's issue has nothing to do with Reed Nordine personally as a, as a manager or as a director of racing. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're not scared to, uh, turn it around. All right, let's take It's some... surprising to me that they would just let him go and not reassign him. Well, same with Fisher that's, though. That's a bit surprising. I was shocked at Fisher. Like, don't put him back in R and D where he developed wide foot pegs and stuff. Like, right, right. like just like, I, I don't know what, you know, it, it's hard for us to say because we don't know all yeah. the behind the scenes details, but that's, I don't think that's typical for how this industry works. You know, if, yeah. if the guy didn't do anything just crazy wrong, you think right. he would at least steal it. Cause he's. He was obviously a company guy. Yeah, so. and uh, surprising. Back to Honda too, and the third rider. I do know that I I would think, and JT, I'll ask you first. Vogel would have an inside line there I could, because Honda likes to keep the guys. They like they you know they like to keep the guys as amateurs, and then you know the Geico program and and give riders like Sealy, Trey, Bogle the first kind of shot because they won titles for him, and they like to reward him. So Bogle, I would think, if they put a third bike. Bogle would have an inside spot. Do you agree, JT? I would agree in theory. However, just the rumors and things I've heard on the street, it doesn't seem to be going that way. Um, so I do agree what, with what the, the concept. Rumors, I just don't know that what's it's going to happen Jake? in this case. All right. What's the rumors, Nick? Jake, JT? JT has some rumors. <laughs> I don't know that I can do that. I just haven't really heard the Honda-Bogle right. connection happening. Well, the uh, Bogle's represented by WMG, correct? Uh yes yes uh, Jimmy Button I believe is his probably agent. asking for eight million dollars that could have an issue that's just that would be my my first guess would be like we don't want to deal with these guys but that's just a- yeah well I think the reason I even mention it is because that seems like such an obvious like such an obvious they see this, they see a lot so it doesn't seem like they have anything going necessarily at Honda because that would be the easy fit right would make yeah sense. no absolutely so. and Dan Bentley has told me directly like we want to reward these guys. You know, right? Um, but anyways, let's 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 get a few calls and then we'll let you guys go. Uh, this guy, Big Papa, you want to talk to Nick? Nick, come home. We miss you. All right. Nick. You you from Michigan? I'm not from Michigan. I'm from Ohio. I'm sorry. I'm a Buckeye. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> hey, you can't be an ex-brand goggle guy. That job's taken. Uh, you can't be the pulp show host. Job's taken. Fly, got, fly gear guy, job's taken. You need to line up. There you I go. Okay. So no brand. Right. Okay, just, just a few more years when you're totally washed up, which you'll never be washed up, but when you're washed up, you could go to the X Games. 
This guy's got your <laughs> this guy's got your whole career planned out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it leads me to my question. What do you guys think of the current the current state of the X Games? We're gonna have Chase Stallo on here shortly. He went there and he was uh working there and I, I definitely wanna ask him, but I've never been less enthused for the X Games as I was this year. But uh, I but, but on T V, Steve, last year there was like a minimal attendance where this year some of these events there was like a lot of people there. Was there? Okay. All right. Yeah, it looked it looked like, and then obviously I'd been in the next games in L.A. and even there there was no one in the stands or anything. But at that that last day where they had the uh, I don't even know what to call it the half pipe half pipe anti climatic. Uh, yeah, let's be real. But there was uh, a lot of people there. Okay. All right. All right, Big Papa. Yeah. Nick Nick Way will come home. He'll be racing. Come home, Nick. We miss you. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, David, what's up, man? You want to talk to Nick Way? Yeah, sorry to get off topic, but uh, Nick, did you see that Red Bull BMX rider Tyler made a recent video of him riding at your old Silver Dome? No, somebody, somebody said something about that, but I, I, uh, I don't know, I tried to click on the link or something, and I couldn't, I like, couldn't make it work. I like how David said, your old Silver Dome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick, you've well, got to take a look at it. It'll bring exactly. a tear to your eye. Uh, the roof's gone. JT, did you see that? Yeah, it's not open air. <laughs> the roof's gone. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a poor it's, man's it's uh, hammered, open air in you know, dome. Yeah. Dude, so they just let the roof go and just rain and snow and whatever? Like, that's all. Like that's Detroit for you, I guess, right? That is Detroit. Yeah, right I think it sold, like, five years ago for, like, 500 grand. Yeah. And then I think the yeah, guy's like just been awesome, pissed yeah. off ever since that he dropped half a mil on that dump. <laughs> Thanks, David. Anytime, guys. Take Thanks. care. Yeah, the Silverdome, uh, um, I got some good memories from there. Place was pretty cool back in the day. It was yeah, packed, man. Was cool for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, both you guys. Thank you for coming on the Fly Race and Moto Sixty Show, presented by Infab. Uh, appreciate your time and your input and everything else. And uh, yeah, good times. Uh, JT, who's coming on next? Uh, Chase Salo. Oh, media darling. Yeah. Do you want to stay on or do you got to go? Uh, I I can stay. Whatever. Well, then stay on. I'll make I'll right. make a move. So you guys have a good time. All right. See you, Nick. <laughs> Nick's got testing to do. <laughs> Yeah, go test some ships. I, I, I am going to pick. Up, I am going to pick up some parts. So yeah. never had a doubt. Go taste. The, go test the pull rod. All right. All right, see ya. Later. All right, Nick away, everybody on the phone here. Uh, let's get to Mike. Mike, you want to talk about Phil Nicoletti? Yeah, you hear me? Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, uh, I have a question uh, about Phil Nicoletti's kind of fill-in part-time ride. Uh-huh. You know, Supercross in, in the sport is kind of what dominates the attention and gets all the attention, at least when we're in it, and then we switch to outdoors, and, of course, whatever's in front of us, we pay more attention to, so I might be a little blind here. But you think that Phil riding part-time Supercross or just a fill-in is actually helping the Phil Nicolay's brand or his career by um, letting him focus on outdoors, probably staying a little more healthy because he does get beat up a bit when he races Supercross mm-hmm. so that he can run up front and kind of get a lot more exposure for himself? I think this is a good chance that he can – get a higher paying job because of his part-time job what do you think jt well i do think it's helping him outdoors i think um you know and i talk about this all the time and i get so frustrated with with fans and and especially european fans that think that supercross riding supercross for eight months a year versus outdoors for four months a year makes no difference because that is the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Trust me, I know I've lived this my whole life is, is that scenario. Um, so I do think it helps that he gets so much more preparation time and he gets to get up to speed and, and really work on his outdoor skills because 
most guys in America don't get to do that very often. You know, Supercross kind of kind of rules everything as far as what rides are given and how much you're paid and all that kind of stuff. So my honest opinion is that Phil is in a very good spot. Uh, he gets paid a salary on the team he's on to be there. Uh, and I think he, I think he has the right setup for him. You know, he rides a few supercrosses. He's there to fill in if they need him. Uh, and he's making, he's probably making decent money with bonuses and salary and everything. And he, he's filling a role and he's doing very well. You know, and I don't see factory Honda or a team that has real money to pay him coming along and offering him a full deal. You know, I, I know, you know, I, I just think he's in the right spot for him with, with Thomas at MFAB, you know, kind of backing him up, and Coy obviously loves him. So I just think it's the right spot for him, and I think he should continue down that path because it's it's working. And let's not forget, with him being a fill-in, uh, Mike, he has gotten into probably half the Supercrosses in the past two years. Like, with, yeah, uh, with the injuries. Like, so he's been there. He's gotten a lot of racing. It's not like he's just totally out for 17 weeks, you know. So for sure, and it kind of takes the pressure off of him to perform yeah. when he's there as well. I mean, it, yeah. Now, kind now of there to be a warm body more than yeah, yeah. It's an interesting move, and we debated this a lot when it happened. Would other teams do it? Would it happen with other teams? And so far, we haven't really seen it. But if you can afford it to have a Phil Nicoletti and he wants to do it and sit on the sidelines, and it's a, it's a nice little program they got. Yeah, that that was going to be my next point, and you just said it was. It's really really hard to find teams with budget that yeah. can pull that off. Oh, for sure, right? Uh, hey, yeah. Mike, do you want to win a backpack and a water bottle from Fly Racing? That'd be- That'd be awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, thanks. I like the question. It was good. So stay on hold. Tits will get your information, and, and uh, thanks for calling. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the answer, too. All right. Thank you. Uh, Fly Neat Freak Backpack and uh, Elite Water Bottle um, on uh, the uh, Fly Racing Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Let's welcome our next guest in. He's fresh off the X Games, probably got a 10-gallon hat on right now. Chase Stallo, what's up? Yeah. What's going on, man? What's up? Hey, thanks for coming on. So X Games. I got to admit it, Chase, I've never been less excited for X Games than I was this year. It just seemed like there's no moto in it anymore. Um, the flat tracking I could not get into. But you were there. Talk about the vibe. And Nick Way was saying about how, it, you know, the stands were packed and people were loving it. So talk about the X yeah, Games Yeah, I mean, the crowd was enormous, dude. I think there was like 130,000 people there in four, four days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the yeah, it has it lost a little luster in moto. Yeah, probably, but for the casual fan that, you know, just wants to have a good time and watch some cool stuff, mm-hmm. it's still huge, man. It's, you know, it's it's still incredible what these guys are doing. And, you know, I think we've just seen it for so long that, and it's so effortless and it's so just kind of looks easy that we kind of lose, you know, respect mm-hmm. for how difficult this stuff is. And, you know, actually being there and watching them do some of this stuff, it kind of, you know, brings it back in. I mean, just even looking at like the mega ramp is like, oh my god, <laughs> I wouldn't slide down that thing. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I think they're in a transition period with moto. Like they brought in the quarter pipe this year, which I thought pipe this year, which I thought was cool. You know, they brought in flat track. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think they're kind of filling it out. Like, hey, what's going to stick in far in regards to moto? Um, mm-hmm. But overall, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a cool event, man, that I recommend, you know, anybody at least checking out for once. It's uh it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's nice to see Mike Brown win too. I like Brownie. Everybody likes Brownie. Yeah. So Yeah, you can't not like Brownie. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and then the uh, which event was coolest for you, Chase? That you went to? Which which one did you? Uh, it's weird. I really didn't get to see that many. I mean, I was pretty much stuck in office for the most part. Um, but obviously, Big Air was was just incredible, man. Incredible, man. Uh, the stuff those guys are doing. Yeah, they don't land it too often, but just watching them freaking huck it is uh, <laughs> it's incredible, man. Mm-hmm. So if you're going, make sure to catch that. Did you catch any of it, JT? I did a little bit. I watched the uh, Endurocross final yeah. um, just by happenstance. It, it was just on, and I was really pumped for Brownie. I've known him forever and ever. Uh, he's just good people, so that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I think that's that's really all I watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to watch Speed and Style, but I, I don't know what happened. I was out. So, um, And behind the scenes, Chase, at, uh, at X Games, I guess, everyone kind of talks about how the ESPN guys roll the red carpet up for the athletes. Did you see some of that? Oh yeah, dude! It's it's impressive what they do for those guys, man. It's they have an athletes lounge which is just enormous. They're fed every meal. Um, they have golf carts to take them everywhere. Um, they're treated like rock stars, man. And it's not just you know the Nike Houston's, the Sean Whites. It's mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking because I did all the research coming up, and the right. you know this was the first one for the flat track guys and. You know, I talked to some of them after, and they're just like, oh, my God, that was the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, they just roll the red carpet out for everyone. It's yeah. not, you know, pick and choose, man. It's it's all those guys get treated, uh, you know, really well. For <laughs> Flat sure. track guys probably not used to food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I raced, I raced X Games in 07, the yeah. Supercross race. Yeah. And it's just like you said, Chase, they're, they treat us incredibly well, like nothing we've ever seen before. Right. Where was it in 07, L.A.? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Home Depot Center. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's switch back to, mo- to, to motocross here a little bit. Uh, round five, uh, high point coming up. Chase, uh, not far from Racer X headquarters, so I imagine, uh, did you go today to press day, or did you? Nah, I, I was going to. I had to catch up, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we got uh, Andrew out there, the, the right. magazine editor. So Any, we all represented a little bit. Some changes on the track, I see. Yeah, yeah. And I've only seen, like, uh, you know, kind of overhead images, but, man, it looks – it looks really cool, man. I think people are going to dig it. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think sometimes it's, you know, it's funny when you watch these animated track maps sometimes of like the Hang Towns and the, mm-hmm. the Glen Helens. Like, they're not as exciting as like when the Supercross track comes out, you know, because it's like the same thing over and over. So, you know, I'm all for some changes. Um, you know, if, even if it's just little minor stuff, it's, you know, it's always good to freshen up the tracks and, mm-hmm. and just see if it works. I mean, if it doesn't work, go back. Um, so I think it'll work, though. I think it looks really cool, and I think people will like it. Touching on what we were talking about earlier with Nick Way, JT, uh, the Geico rookies, um, and I wanted to work this in earlier, and my apologies, I forgot, but uh, Jordan Smith, RJ Hampshire, there isn't much to choose between them, outdoors right now or indoors. Uh, Hampshire finished higher in the points, um, but Jordan, I think, got a podium, and maybe RJ did too. Jordan missed the start of the Supercross, but if you had to start a team tomorrow, JT, which guy would you pick? Well, um, out of the out of the rookie guys, sorry. No, out of out of Jordan and, and RJ Hampshire. Oh yeah, um, so that same group. I don't know, man. They're they're so different to me. I think that Jordan Smith is a um, guy that he's just so damn fast. The guy's crazy, crazy talented. But I don't know that he will ever hold it together enough to win a championship. From what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, from watching him from even in his amateur days too, you know, it's not just the races I've seen him race pro, it's, it's amateur stuff. 
where RJ, I think, is a little bit more polished, and I don't think RJ will throw as many races away. So it's kind of the tortoise and the hare thing. And, and that's not really say, fair to say tortoise about RJ, but I just feel like they're, they're very different in their approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. You know, I think the trend is for, guy, for teams to hire a guy like Jordan right. because they want that speed. They just want that breakout speed all the time, you know. And, and Josh Grant made a lot of money from mm-hmm. that ability over the years. Um, so I don't know. If, I, if it was me, I would probably go with a guy like RJ because I think he – was more similar to how I raced, but right. that one race victory appeal is so hard to deny with a guy like Jordan. Right. What do you think, Chase? Which one, which guy would you choose? Well, and just to kind of expand on what JT was saying, I mean, RJ is kind of still raw a little bit. You know, he didn't, he wasn't blazing fast as an amateur until pretty late in his amateur career. So I still think he has some room to grow. You know, if he if he continues to work at this and and you know finds that little extra something like i don't think we've seen maybe the height of his speed you know what i mean i think he could still maybe add a little extra um i don't know it, it's tough to to pick between those guys i don't i don't think we've once seen enough from them right to say you know I, i'd want because neither of them as good as they've been you know neither of them come out and you know dominating and winning races like ac was or right. or even you know so it, it's kind of hard to say oh i'd want this guy over this guy but you know, I think they both have, you know, after Supercross, I think everybody was kind of like, huh, what, you know, how good are these guys really going to be? Right. And they've kind of started to show it now. So, you know, Geico, of course, is looking smart once again. Don't you getting f- these guys. Don't you feel like next year, Chase, these two guys are going to win races? Like multiple races, both of them? I do. I, I like the... Multiple? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they'll I, win. I like the yeah, way they're going. Sure. Right. Okay. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I mean, they're definitely on the upward swing. Whereas after Supercross, I still think there was some like, huh, where where are these guys going? You know, I don't know where they're quite fitting in yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to see for sure. JT, multiple race wins for both guys next year. I don't know about multiple. I think uh, you know we, there was a big conversation in my little group of Florida friends about whether Jordan would win a Supercross this year, mm-hmm. and then he was never really no. in the, you know in, in that scene. So. I think both of them have some improving to do if they want to win. Uh, they both will benefit, well, one of them will, uh, from Muscan moving out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, we're going to get probably a healthy Cincerillo back, and uh, that'll change the game too. So I, I definitely will see both of them in the fight and on the podium. But, man, race wins are hard to come by, it seems like. Okay. Um Fly Racing Motor 60 Show presented by NFAB. A little bit of breaking news. Uh, Josh Grant's still out for this weekend, so I just just figured that out. So um, uh, Grant will be back and hopefully at Bud's Creek, so he's going to be off another another week off. We got a week off after High Point, and then we come back at Bud's Creek. So should be interesting to see how he can do when he gets back and uh, and whether Chad Reed can pull it back together, JT, this weekend. We talked, we touched about it on the uh, Fly Race, on the uh, NFAB Fantasy Moto Show, but uh, Reed's got a – we think we'll see a better Reed, don't we, JT? We we came to that conclusion. Yeah, I don't. I think this is a track that he's okay at. I don't think it's his best track by any means, but I definitely think it's better than Colorado and Muddy Creek for him. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see him inside the top ten. Um, but that's you know, right. and if he does that, it'd be better than it was. You know, right. getting fifteenth is not good for anyone. Stalo, you're the guy with the with the finger on the pulse of these privateer dudes, local area guys. Is there a guy, fantasy moto-wise or just just surprising-wise, who's the local 
that could do something at high point that we really haven't seen in either hmm. class? Do you have anybody? Like, there's always that guy. Um, that... No, there is. I, there's not, like, a dug guy like Durham used to be. Um, that was pretty easy. Uh, right. Now you got, like, a Daniel Herline coming in. Um, okay. Local Ohio guy. Um, and other than that, right. not really. I don't, I don't, there's not that. Stewart. You know, there, it's not that Southwick where, like, oh, man, there's, yeah. you know, there's somebody coming out. Um, I think Herline could be a top 20 guy. Right. Um, JT says but, yeah. uh, JT says Ronnie Stewart, maybe. Yeah, Ronnie. Ronnie, I mean, he's from New York, wrote in Pennsylvania. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I, man, it's so hard for these privateers, especially in the 250 class when, when everybody's healthy, there's, you know, 23 mm-hmm. pretty close to factory-supported guys. Yeah. Um, and and you see it with like the Jackson Richardson who can get top ten in Supercross when he comes outdoors and you know he's just kind of struggling to get fifteenth right, or right. Six, you know twelfth or it's just he's up against uh, he's up against a lot so right. yeah I, I, like I said I mean I don't really put too much stock into privateers outdoors right. Um, right. until you know some guys kind of start you know falling yeah. off or or whatever the case may be for sure all right hey Chase JT thank you guys thanks for both of you Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB good stuff uh, nice to get your guys' insight and uh, we'll see we'll see Chase we'll see you this weekend JT see you at Washougal <laughs> <laughs> all right guys all right thanks to both of you uh, all right thank you yeah uh, that, that's uh, that's been the Fly Race and uh, Moto 60 show everybody so uh, presented by NFAB thank you for listening we appreciate it Nick Way Jason Thomas Chase Stalo, we gave away a Neat Freak backpack and a water bottle. Elite water bottle. Tits, great job back there manning the phones. Sorry we couldn't get to all the calls, but we had time constraints. What's wrong, Tits? Are you mad? Not at all. You look like you're crying. Tired. Are you crying because the show's over? Every week. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you uh, in a couple weeks.